Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Bless you. It's great to see you. Don't you love this warm weather? Hallelujah. We were in Cuba till yesterday afternoon. It was a cool 85 degrees, blue sky, and we were thinking about y'all. We kept getting the reports of mist and cool and cold, and yesterday morning we woke up in Cuba and it was cold. It was like the Lord was just preparing us to come home. We were staying outside the airport shivering, and uh, it was <clears throat> quite cool, but uh, nothing like home. So it's great to be back. Thank you for your prayers this week, uh, our little team of eight. It was such a joy to have my wife with me again. This was my completion of my 170th missions trip since 1988, and uh, God was faithful. We had really such a wonderful time, um, fought through some things, and uh, but the Lord's anointing was rich. The pastors received us greatly. They came from far and wide to get to this beautiful little seminary um, overlooking the little town of Matanzas on the coast, northern coast of Cuba. And uh, they were just, they were precious. They received us uh, uh, actually Thursday afternoon late when we were wrapping it up. I shared a few things with them and they uh, literally surrounded, my team surrounded us and laid hands on us and prayed over us. It was powerful. It was rich. It was passionate. It was compassionate. It was full of tenderness and faith. And uh, to have all of those precious people speaking over me, not a word I understood. So I just prayed in tongues and <laughs> received it. I just tried to sound like them, but it was, it was really rich. And uh, they actually send their greetings to you and thanked. Uh, wanted me to thank you for sending us down there. One pastor got on our bus and told us uh, he's a precious brother. I've known him for several years, Oscar and I, and he's actually been to our church. He was here in March and sat through both services, and, uh, but uh, he said that the word that I brought was a word that he believed was going to change the nation of Cuba. That's a powerful statement, and, uh, but it, not, not my word, but God's word has the power to change a nation, and uh, I know that's to be true because it changed my nation. It changed the Brantley family, changed the Rock of Gainesville, who we are and what we're doing. came out of a revelation of God's word that really transpired, convicted, changed, and helped us to be the people that we are today, a giving people, a people that believe in sowing uh, the word of God into the nations of the world, and uh, so... Again, thank you for praying over us. We, we had a great little team, Terry, Dr. Terry and Heidi, Tomlin, uh, Brian and Melissa, and uh, Oscar and Vicki, of course, Suzanne and I. And uh, we made every day just church. We just thought about y'all, and every day as we're busing 45 to 50 minutes uh, drive, uh, a 12-minute drive that took 45 to 50 minutes to get us to the seminary, we just turned it into worship time. And man, we, we had the music piping. One, one day, my, my buddy Ota Neal, who just talks incessantly. He out-talks me. And uh, I don't even know who he's talking to because only like three people could understand Spanish on the whole bus. I finally said, Otanil, zip it. It's time to worship. Yes, pastor. And he put his phone down and, and we just made every day a worship service. And uh, we had the music blaring, worshiping God, singing, crying, shouting, hands waving in the bus. And the bus driver just up there just 
driving us around, man. He, was a, he is a good brother, but it's so good to be home, and it's good to have friends here today with us. Our friends Bob and Kathy Fowler from Panama City are here on the second row, and many of you might have noticed Francis and Susie and Fuso are in the house, just flew in, and uh, literally just flew in. Fred Shore, uh, man, my man Fred, give it up for Fred, because... I got, up, I got up way before daybreak this morning, and my, after my devotions, my first email I saw was Fred filing a flight plan at like 4 o'clock in the morning. It was like 41 degrees here, and his plane is not warm when you get in it. And I was like, Fred, fly safe, but stay warm. Wrap yourself in blankets while you're flying. But he flew down and picked up Francis and Susie in Fort Lauderdale and got them back here for second service. It's great to have you guys here. They'll be here tonight with us in our Sunday night service as well as Pastor Pastor Savin and Katie are coming up tonight, and I'll share a little bit of that at the end. All right, open up your Bibles this morning. I want to jump in to a word that uh, has just been stirring in me, and so I'm going to let it out. We've been talking over the last several weeks. Uh, we've stirred ourselves with the joy of hope. Last week, we talked about the joy of faith. Last Sunday, I don't know if you guys know, but we had 14 people give their heart to Jesus Christ last Sunday. Hallelujah. <laughs> Three in the first service, 11 in the second. And this morning in our first service, we had seven people respond to Jesus Christ. House was full in the first service, and people responded. And I rejoice because, you know, as we sing that song, this is how we fight our battles. And I'm telling you, when the enemy throws a punch, just get up and fight back. Don't fight in the flesh. Don't fight in the natural. Learn how to fight God's way. And when we do, we're going to see great and mighty things happening in our lives and through our lives. So let me pray. Father, I love you. I bless you. Thank you for strength and grace today. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you that every time I open up the word of God, it is anointed. It is powerful and it is mighty. doesn't matter who's reading it or who's preaching it. Father, your word sets the captive free. Your word goes forth as a two-edged sword cutting and dividing, ripping out all the garbage of our lives and replacing it with the fullness of who we are in Christ Jesus and what you created us to, to be and who you created us to be and what you created us to go about and do. And so today, as I just deliver this word out of my heart and soul, I pray today that every ear will hear and Lord, that whoever else you want to touch today, save today through the those who are watching online, through those that are sitting here today, our heart is to see all mankind hear the gospel and have the opportunity to respond to your great love. Jesus, show your love to them, I pray. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. I want to talk to you out of, uh, we talked about the joy of hope. We talked about the joy of faith. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the joy of victory. Say victory. victory. Now, victory only comes one way. Not by singing, not by dancing, not by having everything you ever wanted given to you, not by the greatest Christmas present you ever got. None of that comes in the form of victory. You only experience victory when you've been through a battle. And this morning, I want to stir us and encourage us and challenge us to think bigger and have a greater understanding of the battles that we face in our life that go way beyond your favorite football team. When they talk about, man, we're on the field, we're battling for those victories. They're playing a game. And, and it's just a game. And as much as we all love our favorite teams... In light of eternity, it's not a battle. 
It's just a game. But all of us are going through some kind of battle in our life. I believe that everybody that loves Jesus is going to basically go from battle to battle to battle to battle. One day enter into the presence of heaven and say, well done, you didn't give up in the battle. But also when we go through battles, guess what we get to experience? Victories. If we don't quit, if we don't throw in the towel, and all of us have been sucker punched by the enemy. All of us have had the enemy come against our home, our family, our marriage, our relationships, our children, our finances, our career, our friendships. All of us experience battles all the time. And if we can learn to understand that in every battle we go through, Jesus is in the middle of the battle with us. There are some, I love 2019. There are so many things I love about 2019. Clean indoor bathrooms. Come on, somebody. And when you sat on toilets without toilet lids all week in Cuba, man, you just want to say, thank you, Jesus, for my toilet lid. I came home and said, Lord, thank you for that toilet lid. It's so inconsequential in and of itself, but not to me. It is warm. It is round. It goes up and down. It's so nice. That's not a battle, though. Just a comfort. But we're going through battles, and when we go through the battles, Jesus is always with us. The promise of God's word is always with us. The Holy Spirit is always with us. He's with us in the midst of the good and the difficult. He always shows himself mighty when we're going through a battle. In suffering and weakness and difficulties, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit shows up in a significant way. I said in the first service this morning, I am so tired in America of Christian families ending up in divorce court because instead of learning how to fight their battles and fight for each other, they, they, we, we spend our time fighting against one another. Woe is me. She don't love me the way she should love me. He don't take care of my needs anymore. We believe a lie from hell all in the name of Jesus as we go in and out of the marriage and the divorce courts and do it all over again. Everybody in here that's been married and divorced, God forgives you. But let this marriage be your last marriage. You know, get it right. Because if you've been in two or three of them and you're always blaming the other person, there's somebody significant in that too. And you're it. So if you're married, stay married. If you're single, you might want to just stay single. My God, then you don't have to answer for anybody but you. You can't get to heaven and start blaming the other one. And God said, no, no, we're not talking about them, him or her. But you know what? We got to start fighting for our marriages. We got to fight for our families. Because if we don't, all we're going to have at the end when we get ready to die is regret. We're going to be saying to our children, our grandchildren, just like my dad did. I sat on the side of my dad's bed at 99 years of age and heard him one more time have to confess to me, son, I am so sorry for all the pain that your mother and I caused all of you children because we kept marrying and divorcing each other until they finally divorced. Then my dad married two other women. (laughs) My God, dad, we, we told dad when he went in the nursing home, that's it, you're done. No more marriages. You can look all you want, but you can't touch. 95 years old, man, he's scoping out the place as soon as he got there. I said, Pop, they're they're not the problem. You're the problem. You're a male chauvinist pig that I love. Just telling it like it is. We got to fight for each other. 
The enemy's going to come against you to divide, to destroy, to discourage, to beat you up. But every battle's an opportunity for a stepping stone. Every battle's an opportunity to just say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for God. I'm going to walk through this thing. I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but I'm telling you what, this is what my wife and I have been finding out recently. There is nothing in the world more important family. The natural family and the spiritual family. I just wanted to get home yesterday. I'm telling you, I got Friday, Friday night. I'm laying in my little bed. I was sleeping under the Pope in a Catholic convent. Come on, somebody, Friday night. Little twin bed. They don't even let us sleep together in the convent. Uh, no, no, you sleep over there and he sleeps over there. I'm, I'm sleeping under a picture of the Pope. And, and I'm laying there moaning and groaning. I said, baby, I just want to go home. I want to be with my family. I want to be with my church family. I want to be in my own bed without the Pope looking down on me, man. <laughs> you know, I just want to be with family. Because in the midst of battle, you'll find out really who's for you and who's just a lot of talk. But we're going through battles. You're going through battles. I'm looking at hundreds of faces of people that are going through different kind of battles. And I'm telling you, God knows every one of every one of our battles. And he is for every one of us. He cannot, he cannot bring you into victory unless you choose it. Wow. He can't bring you into victory. He is the victor. But he can't bring you into it. That's a choice you and I have to make. We have to say, just like the patriots of old, man, I'm going to read you a couple of stories, tell you a couple of stories in a minute. I just spent the whole week just reading and meditating. I just started asking Suzanne, give me a story. Give me one of your favorite old covenant stories. Because there are some powerful stories in the old covenant of the children of Israel when they would walk through battles. And, and we're, we, get to read, we get to read the end of the story and we go, whoa, that was so easy. <laughs> no, it wasn't. We weren't there. We're reading the victory side. They had to walk through the fire. They had to go through the floods. They had to go through the difficulties and the battles and the enemy encamped all about them. And we get to hear their stories of victory because they didn't quit. Because they didn't give up. The ones that gave up, we don't read about them anymore. And I don't get anything out of them giving up. I want to read about the ones, man, who set their self like a flint, man. They're, they're headed towards the light, and Christ is always there for us. Let me read you a story out of the Old Covenant, 1 Samuel chapter something, 14, thank you. 1 Samuel chapter 14, Hector, run up here and straighten up my iPad quickly, please. Can't get these letters off. They're messing with me. Melissa, come up here and help us. <laughs> Just don't mess up my notes. Don't lose my notes. Melissa? There we go. Oh, we're almost there. Nope, we're halfway there. Somebody go get Tad out of the, out of the growth track. <laughs> What is this? Anyhow, this is paper. <laughs> All right. First, first Samuel chapter 14. There we go. I got, I got a Bible. I got, I got everything now. I'm good. Devil. 
I'm going to read you the whole story. 1 Samuel chapter 14. Love this story. Hang on. Pastor Nathan preached this earlier this year. I preached on it this year. This is a great story. This is a story just to set it up for you. Uh, Jonathan, the son of Saul, the first king of Israel, they're out there doing battle. They're always doing battle because, you know, they get right with God and then they mess up and they sin, commit adultery, fornication, idolatry, all kind of stuff. And then God turns them over, brings the enemy to fight against them. And, and then they start, woe is me, and start, you know, finally repenting. And God redeems them. And then they start all over again. Don't you ever just get tired of the cycle? Don't you get tired of your cycle? Yeah. Boy, it's easy to go, what's wrong with those Israelites, man? Why didn't they just get it right? Same reason you and I still battling battles, still facing things that, that we thought 10 years ago, well, whoo, thank you, Jesus. That's victory. I'll never deal with that again. And then bam, oh, there it is. All right. I'm going to read. Jonathan said to the young man, so Jonathan is the, king, the, the king's son, and he's one of the captains in the king's army, and they're surrounded by the enemy, and uh, they're hanging out, and Jonathan's tired, he's ready to go home and see his wife, kids have been sending him emails, he, you know, dad, when are you going to come home, and, and, and he's like, I can't come home till dad, you know, gets this thing, and we win this battle, and we're not winning, because we're chicken, we're hanging out up here, we're scared to death, the enemy's all around us, kids, y'all pray for me, hopefully I'll be home soon, and, and, and then finally, Jonathan Jonathan wakes up and he says to his armor bearer, uh, this is a young man that's loyal to him, carries his sword with him. And, and uh, he says to him, look, we got to take care of some business. So here's where the story begins. Jonathan says to the young men who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord works for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer says to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. I'm thinking if I'm the armor bearer, I'm going, okay, Jonathan, I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. Uh, but is this really the wisest decision here? We're, we're, gonna, we're surrounded by the enemy and you and I in the dark, we're just, we're just gonna go out there, flashlights at ourselves, and go, here we are. That doesn't sound real wise, but he says to him, behold, uh, whatever you do, I'm going to do it with you. So John says, behold, we're going to cross over to the men, show ourselves in them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, ha ha, look at this. Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, hey, come on up to us, and we will show you a thing or two. I put the two in there. We will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, buddy. For the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed more than 20 men 
within, as it were, a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison, and even the raiders trembled. The earthquake, and it became a great panic. And then if you read on down, I'm not going to read it. You read it when you get home this afternoon. When you read on down, all of a sudden, uh, the, the children of Israel see something happening in the enemy's camp. Saul looks up and says, what's going on? He calls for the priest, bring the Ark of the Covenant, brings the Ark. They're still looking, and all of a sudden, they said, man, the binoculars, the guys that are looking, they're telling us that there's panic among the enemy, and it looks like they're killing each other. And, and then Saul, full of, you know, woohoo, let's go, let's go attack the enemy. Man, Jonathan's there. His armor bears there. They're in the middle of the battle. And you know what they're doing? They're standing there going, what in the world is God doing? These people are killing each other. Come on, somebody. They're standing in the middle of the enemy, and they're not even having to use their swords anymore. They killed the first 20, and then God said, hey, watch what I can do. You got 20, watch me. And they stood back, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the enemy, they start taking out their swords, panic struck, and they are beginning to stab one another. The rest of the story tells of the victory of all of that. It comes back, but this is what I want you to see, man. Jonathan made a decision. I want the taste of victory, and we're never going to have it unless we go into the battle. He made a decision. He didn't make a decision to run from the battle. He made a decision to run to the battle, declaring to his armor bearer, when they say this, this is God's word to us, that God's going to fight our battles for us. Therefore, when you see me climb up the hill, you climb up the hill after me. And listen, guys, it wasn't one of these just, you know, walk up a little slanted hill. It says that, that Jonathan's armor bearer has not only his armor, but he's got Jonathan's armor. He's got Jonathan's sword. And Jonathan is ahead of him. Come on, somebody. In the middle of the battle, Jonathan's heading up with his armor bearer behind him with a sword. I'm like, now give me my sword and follow me. And it says that he was with hands and feet climbing up the hill, looking up into the enemy's faces, and all of them had their swords drawn. Come on. Come on. That's bigger than a football game right there. Come on, I mean, we're talking about life and death here. We're talking about as soon as you get up there, they're going to take a sword and sever your head from your body. And Jonathan said, come on, we're going. God is gone before us and victory is ours once we step on that hill. And it says that he climbed up the hill until he got to the top. And as soon as he got to the top, this is what the word said. It said they began to fall in front of him. Come on, somebody. He's waiting for the armor bearer. The armor bearer comes running up there. He sees guys laying down everywhere. He takes out his sword and he just starts going and killing them, man. Kills 20 of them. And Jonathan's standing there. Sometimes you got to step out. If you ever want to taste victory, you got to be willing to run to the battle. You got to be willing to say, I'm not moved by my circumstances, by my situation, by what I see. I believe the word of the Lord. And in that word, I'm going to pursue it because God is for me and the enemy is against me. Greater is he that is in me, in you, in us than the enemy that is against us. The enemy that is against us is real. Greater is his love in us than the realness of the enemy's attack. So you got to run. You got to fight the good fight. And Jonathan took off and he pursued and he chased because he believed in Almighty God. Don't you love the story in the old covenant of Gideon? I love Gideon. 
Come on, somebody. I love Gideon, man. Gideon is, he thinks he's the least in his father's house, and his father is the least in all of the camp of Israel, and he is all full of timidity and scared and fear and everything else, and it says that he's hiding out behind his father's barn, and he's trying to take care of threshing the wheat. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up, thought caused that poor boy to have a heart attack. He shows up in the fullness of his angelic, glowing, big old body, sword, shield, and says, Gideon, oh man of God, man of valor. Gideon, man, he's like Sanford's son. He's backing up going, my God, he might cause me to have a heart attack, you big brute. Are you here to kill me? No, dude, I'm from God. I'm here to tell you who you are. He said, hey, you ain't got to tell me who I is. I know who I am. I am nothing. I'm hiding out here. I'm a coward. That's what I am. And, and the angel of the Lord said, no, 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 no. You're not a coward. The father sent me to tell you you're one of his mighty men. Getting looking around like, I don't know who. What you been smoking? What's between heaven and here that got you all messed up in the head? He said, no, no, the Lord Almighty, the Lord your God declares you are a mighty man of valor. And he's going to bring victory through your hand. And then Gideon started believing. And he believed. And then he started obeying. Hear me, man, if you want to taste victory, you got to obey the voice of the Lord your God. You got to go when God says go. You got to be willing to defy odds if that's what God's saying. You got to be willing to step out. You got to be willing to move. Man, if you're married, husband and wives, learning to come together, learning to pray. Man, in our marriages, learning to fight for one another, believing in each other, standing for one another. Man, and for your children, some of you are crushed in your heart because your kids are not living for God. Hear me. It is time for you to learn how to battle for your children's souls, battle for the sake of your children, your grandchildren. Don't leave anything unturned. Go before God and begin to cry out, I will not be at peace until my children are saved. I'll not be at peace till my wife is saved, my husband's saved, my father's saved. Man, if we really believed in heaven and hell, and I'm not really certain many of you do. Because if you did, you're going to change the way you do battle for your lost loved ones. You're going to not let another day go by, another week go by, another Christmas go by, just at odds. I'm always at odds. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm tired of there. I'm, I'm, tired, I'm tired of all of it. No, no, no. We got to stop being tired. We got to start fighting for the sake of our, little, of our lost loved ones. Because they're going to split hell wide open. We got to pursue. We got to love. We got we to gotta forgive. Anybody been wrong by love, lost one? Don't raise your hand. We all have. Let's forgive them. And by, by forgiving them, I mean forgive them in such a way that they will recognize it. You might not even have to use your words. Your countenance change, your attitude change. So we got to fight for the things in life that have eternal value. Gideon fought. And you know the rest of the story. It's an amazing story. God brought victory. Man, Gideon went out. He's like, okay, we're going to battle. Woohoo! Everybody, come on. And he gets them all up there, and God says, mm, you got way too many people. If you win with, with these, you're going to start thinking it was you. Right. Come on, somebody. Right. 
Some of you think it's you when, when God's going to clean out so that when victory comes, you're going to know it was God. And Gideon said, Lord, I don't think there's too many. We're still like only like 10% of the whole enemy. And God said, yeah, but I, I don't need that many. He said, take them down to the river and let them drink. And they start lapping or they start doing this, wean them out. How many were left? 300. 300. <laughs> How many were they fighting? Thousands, tens of thousands. I'm like, Lord, are you certain? 300? Oh, yeah, here's their swords. Get the trumpet players out there. Come on, somebody. Get the lanterns. We're going to battle. With what? With the sword of worship. With the sword of praise. And God brought the victory. Come on, somebody. Don't you love this story about David and Goliath? Oh, I love this story. I know. This is your little grandbaby story. This is your little little shepherd boy, you know, the cute little giant out there. He's got all his gear. He's mocking the people of God. And, and little, little shepherd boy David, so sweet and dainty, he goes, runs out there and, and just kills the giant. Such a sweet little story. No, man, it is a powerful story. Problem is we've read it so many times, we keep just going to the end. Like the end was the beginning. And it's not, man. David had to go through a battle. David had to fight. David had to, David had to stand on everything he had learned about his father out in the shepherd field with a, with a little sheep as his, as his flock. And out there, hear me, David learned to worship. David learned to play the harp. David learned to write songs. Come on, somebody. I've been listening to this worship song. We're going to sing it tonight. But I found the original version of this particular worship song we're going to sing tonight. And the other day, yesterday, I think it was, man, I had the music cranking in my house. It was Blair, man. My, my, my doors were shaking. And, and, and Suzanne walked out, looked at me, and she said, she said, I don't know how in the world God made you a white man. Because this sister was singing this song, and I'm singing to the top of my lungs, man. I'm just ripping this song. It's got soul, and it is moving me. I've been singing it all week, just declaring this song, because that's what David did. David's out there with nothing but the hills and the sheep, and he learned to worship God. And he learned to praise God. He learned to honor God. He learned to sing to God. And he also learned how to, to swing a sling. Say that three times. He learned how to swing a sling. Yeah. I've heard so many preachers preach, oh, man, David could have just tossed that stone and it would have hit that. No, that's a lie from hell. We got to learn how to fight our battles the way God called us to do. We got to have a spirit of excellence in our heart, in our lives, in our purpose. Why we go to church, why we do family, why we do the things we do. We do it with excellence. We don't just hip hop through there. We don't just haphazardly love God. No, you got to train yourself for battle. You got to train yourself for war. David's out there, man, and he's swinging that swing. And he kills a bear and he kills a lion. Now, all of a sudden, Jesse calls him, his daddy, and daddy says, son, your brothers are in battle. Even though I hear there's not much battling going on, because children of Israel, a bunch of sissies. They're over there in this place, and I need you to take this bread and this cheese and go see how your brothers are doing. Give them a greeting from daddy. Tell them daddy can't wait till they get home. 
So man, it says that David left the sheep in the care of another shepherd and he headed off and he had the praise of God on his tip of his tongue. He had his sling in his pack. He had the bread and the cheese and he went to see his brothers. It says he got to the place where the battle was to be taken place. And the children of Israel on one side and the Philistines are on the other side. And he leaves the stuff his dad had sent with a caretaker and he goes to find his brothers. And he finds them up in the front of the line and they're all standing, they're gazing, they're looking because there's this big giant out there and he's mocking David's God. Well, David doesn't pay any attention at first because he's got a job to do. He's obedient to his daddy. So he goes and he finds his brothers and he says, greeting from Papa. I got you some bread, some cheese, and a big old, come on, get, come on, bring it in. Come on. I got a big old hug from daddy. And those boys looked at David and they said, you arrogant little, you just wanted to find your way to the front of this line. Get your little butt back home to daddy. Take care of those little sheep out in the field. And then David heard it. The mocking. Heard the mocking. Heard the accusations. Heard the challenges. And he says, brothers, what is that? And they said, that ain't none of your business. We said, go home. And all of a sudden, he hears Goliath mocking the one true living God. The God of Israel, he begins to mock them. Calls them, you bunch of Israelite wussies. You bunch of chickens. Just send one out here to face me. Just one. David looks around and says, brothers, what's going on? And they said, you see the size of that? He said, that's what's going on. He's down there. We're up here. We know where retreat is and we know the sound. We're waiting for it. He starts coming at us, we're out of here. And David goes, how can you let him mock our God? And he looks around and he says, will no one go fight? He says, I'll go. That's all they need, one, one, just one person go, man. They stay, woo, off to the king. Oh, king, we got us one. <laughs> I know he's 13 years old, he's just a boy, but, but he said he'll go. And, and Saul looked at him and said, son, I don't think you can do this. And David said, I've killed my lion. I've already killed my bear. And I know that this giant is mocking my God. And I cannot stand for that. And so David, you know what Saul does, man? Saul puts all this heavy duty armor and, and, and David looks up and goes, get this stuff off of me. This is your armor. This is not my armor. My armor is praise out of my lips. My armor is the word of the Lord. My armor is worship under the living God. My armor is this little sling. And man, at the go, David takes off. Man, he's running towards the giant. And the giant's looking and he's rubbing his eyes and he's going, you got to be kidding me. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. I'm going to toy with him like a mouse before I eat him. And man, David takes off. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Man, he's, he's, he's picking up some stones. This, this is how I fight my battles. And he starts swinging that sling. 
He starts swinging that sling. Man, he's worshiping God. Oh, the fourth man in the fire. Oh my gosh, the way maker. This is how we get victory. I mean, he's singing all these songs. And man, he gets out there and that giant starts mocking him. He doesn't even play. He just slings that right into the brow of that man's head. And he goes down. Hear me, church, don't read that story and go, oh, that's a cute little sweet story. No, you need to stir yourself to believe that the battle you're fighting right now will not be won with armor of the world. It's going to be won with, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I do battle. This is how I praise my God. This is how I worship. I don't care what the circumstance says. This is who I believe in. And you begin You take that which you have prepared. Man, David was a skilled slinger of that sling. Slinger of that sling. (laughs) Swinger of that swing. Slinger of that sling. Man, he was skilled. But he was also a skilled worshiper. Man, he'd been out there, pitch black sky, stars blinking, sheep all curled up around his feet, just him and God worshiping, honoring God. I just want to say thank you, Lord. You didn't have to. You didn't have to, but you came anyhow. You didn't have to touch me, but you touched me anyhow. You you didn't have to show mercy in my life, but you showed mercy anyhow. Man, David knew God. Today, if all you know is about God, or about the God of this church, or about the God of your Father, you are missing out on the most intimate, sweet, wonderful relationship that you could ever experience in your life. And that is a a personal relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? Father, I just wanna pray over my precious church family. Help us in this day that we're living in to fight our battles the way you have taught us to fight, to stir ourselves, to believe, to stand, to trust, to hope. It doesn't matter what our bank account says, and it doesn't matter that our marriage looks hopeless, and it doesn't matter that the doctors are giving us this report, or it doesn't matter that we just lost our best friends. Lord, what matters is that we can put our hope and our trust in you, the living God. And you will never forsake us. You'll never leave us. But you love us. I pray over this people. Oh, God a pressing in and a desire to be touched by you in a way that they have never experienced in their entire lifetime. It's time. Father, I know that you're doing something deep in this house and in so many lives and in so many families. That's because that's why there's so many battles. That's, that's why there's so many attacks. That's, that's why the enemy is doing everything he can to stop us and, and, and to force us to be discouraged and throw in the towel and quit. Father, we are determining that our hope is in Christ Jesus alone. And that in the end, that no matter what we suffer through or go through, in the end, we were not created for this world anyhow. We're created to live in your presence. And victory is ours.
through death or victory, we still, as Paul declared, we still were created by God and for God. And we're going to spend eternity in his presence. Help us to walk through life in the midst of the battles, experiencing the victories that you have for us on the other side. That one day someone, maybe our children or our grandchildren, or our great-grandchildren, Lord, if, if, if Jesus tarries and, and there's more generations of people you want to come to you, Father, that one day our stories will be the stories that others tell those that went through battles and came out on the side of victory. And they'll read our story and they'll hear our story as though it was something easy to go through, but we had to walk through a battle to get to the place of victory. Lord, in this house, I declare and prophesy and speak to every person in this house that victory is rightfully yours if you'll not quit and if you'll not throw in the towel. Believers, would you pray for a moment? I want to speak to those who are watching online. I want to speak to any of you sitting in this room today that you have not yet surrendered to Jesus as Lord of your life. Today, I believe you're watching online because Holy Spirit drew you. I believe you're sitting in this room because today God is saying, I have reached out in mercy and grace and you're here and I'm knocking at your heart's door and I'm waiting for you to give me your life because I love you so much. If you're without Christ today, don't live one more day. Don't believe one more lie of hell that there's something better out there that you could experience than the goodness of the God who created you, loves you, and even in your mother's womb knew you. Some of you have once walked with God. I don't know what caused you to walk away. I don't know what pain you endured. I don't know what abuse you went under. But I am here today to tell you that Jesus is waiting for you to come back home. He's waiting for you to surrender your heart to him. Because he loves you right where you are. And this morning, all you got to do right where you're seated is just respond and say, Pastor, today, lead me in a prayer. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Nobody's looking around. Believers are praying. We've all been where you are. But know this today. All hell wants you not to make this decision. And all heaven has been prepared for you to do it. Would you let me pray for you this morning? If that's you, just lift up your hand and hold it until I see it and recognize it. Let me this morning pray with you. Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Yes, God bless you, dear. Yes, God bless you, dear. This is today, your moment. Man, he loves you so much. Some of you have just allowed the enemy to discourage you and get you to see stuff that has no eternal value. Today, Jesus is wanting to take you in his arms and tell you once again, he loves you and he already made provision for you to be forgiven. He already died on the cross with you in mind. One more moment. This is you. I don't want to leave you left out. This, you're ready today to say, Lord, 
I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me with these three that have raised their hand. Pray this simple prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for loving me first. Thank you for giving me Jesus who died on the cross to save me. Jesus, I receive you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Too many to count, but you know every one. I bring them and put them at the foot of the cross, and I want to leave them there. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. Thank you for saving me. I choose this day as you first chose me. Now I'm choosing you. And I'm saying that for the rest of the days of my life, I'm going to serve you. This is my word. This is my covenant. And I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a hand for these precious, precious people. Tonight at 6 o'clock, as a family, we're going to gather. We've prepared communion. We're going to worship. We're going to put pictures of our loved ones that we're praying over. There's four of them that will be on the screen tonight. During our communion, it's going, be, it's going to be unique. It's going to be, I'm excited about it. When we take the bread that represents the broken body of Jesus Christ, we're going to stretch our hands up to that screen over Mr. Bob, Dr. John, Gabriella, Miss Shirley. And we're going to speak and declare the kingdom of God. We're standing with them. They're fighting a battle. Mr. Bob's been a walking miracle for 14 plus years. He's defied every odd, every medical. I, I mean, there, there, is no, there is no reason for him to be alive, except God's not through with him yet. Amen? And if God's not through with him now, I'm ready for him to be raised up out of that bed. Dr. John, this is Dr. John's last week, Poppy's last week of treatments. God's been faithful and gracious. Six weeks, he's gone through this next Sunday morning. Uh, while we're here in second service, Dr. John will get his last treatment. And then three months of healing. And I believe, we're believing that all of this he's gone through is going to bring a complete healing in his life. Amen. This last week, Wednesday, Gabriella went back in the hospital. In a couple of months, the end of December, 1st of January, she'll be undergoing a bone marrow transplant. And uh, there's just so much involved over the next two months. Uh, most of the family was here first service. They're going to be here tonight. Um, but we are, we are believing the report of the Lord. Amen? Over Gabriella. I, I just believe God's going to show himself my... That little child this week, she had, a, she had a rough day one day. And Connie sent me all the way down in Cuba getting these pictures of that child. And she looked... She was bouncing on her bed in the middle of the hospital, looked like her own personal private room. She got joy all over her face. She got a smile. She convicts me of how you ought to, ought to live sick, I guess. Just, she, just, she just bouncing in, and she said, pray for Gabriella. She's having a rough day. I was like, this is a rough day? My gosh, this child just blesses me. She has such a, she is, she is a, she is a bundle of joy in the pediatric oncology floor at Shans Hospital. The devil's gonna be mad 
when he realizes how stupid he was. He touched the wrong family because they they are touching people throughout Shan's Hospital. Amen. They're gonna, people are going to be saved because of Gabriella. So tonight during our communion, before we drink the cup, as we're taking the bread, we're going to pray over each one of these. And then we're going to drink together and remember what Christ did for us. I love salvation. I don't know how people in the world make it. I don't know how you live without Jesus. And then when we're through with that, we're going to have, uh, we're going to release all the kids to the back room. You parents, as always, they're your kids. So if you don't want them to go, it's going to be your choice. but once they're all in the back, uh, they will be provided pizza and water and a movie. And I'm hoping that in about 20 minutes or so, I'll be able to share with you as a family. And as I said last week, what I'm sharing, first of all, is not going to be live streamed. This is for family. If you're a part of our house and you want to hear what's going to be said tonight, you're going to have to hear it. And you want to hear it from me. You're going to have to hear it tonight. One time. It's serious. It's something we're walking through, battling through. It's going to affect our church. It affects all of us as a family. And so if you want to hear that, you come tonight and, uh, and we're going to share it. We're going to share it in faith. We're going to, we're going to when we're through, we're going to pray. We're going to de- declare the word of God. Uh, and you'll probably even understand a little bit more why I preached the message I did this morning. So the kingdom of God is mighty. Amen. And God is good. And his word is faithful. And our resolve is that we're going to have hope in God. We're going to have peace in God. We're going to have faith in God. We're going to have joy in God. And in the end, no matter what, we're going to trust God. So tonight at 6 o'clock, and if you're coming, don't be late. Okay, just act like the service starts at 530. For those of you that are 10-minute laters, service starts for you at 530. So you'll be here 20 minutes early. Come. And and, and when you come, listen, I, I know I'm taking a little bit of time here, but hear me. Parents, tonight... Don't bring your iPads for your kids. Don't bring your coloring books and your crayons. Tonight, you bring your children here and teach them how to worship. Get them by your feet. Make them stand. Make them sing. Teach them how to worship God. Last night in our home, we had one of the sweetest times Suzanne and I have ever experienced in our whole married life with our family, our children and our grandchildren. We had a night of worship in our home. My children all wrapped around me, hands raised, tears running down their face. We worshiped God. They, they convicted me to righteousness. They convicted me to faith. They were singing. My little Jordan man, his little lips, he's singing this song to the top of his lungs. You could see every word being pronounced out of his little mouth. He was, this God is my way maker. I mean, he's just, he's just declaring it. My kids worshiping. We prayed stood together and I want to encourage you it's time for the American church to teach our children they don't need crayon books and iPads it's time to worship God I want my children to be so consumed with God at 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years of age that when they're 16 they're not wondering if there's a God they're going to have already proved that he is. They're going to already have been so touched in the depths of their soul. They're going to have experienced the revival fire of God in such a way that when all hell comes against them, the enemy will have nothing to win by. Amen. Six o'clock tonight. I love you. God bless. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.